Thank you. Thank you. Well, hello. It's really nice to be back. Actually, it would be nicer to be back if I wasn't speaking, but it's always lovely to come back here. It's, it, this is home. We go to lots of places, and it's always family. You know, wherever we go, it's family, but this is home, so it's lovely to be back, and I'll chat to you all afterwards. Um, well, Steve's just done the first point. You've started a series on the life of the early church, and all that they had it must have been so exciting wasn't it they had all the life and the power and everything was happening new for the first time it must have been so exciting and that's what we want it doesn't it didn't just have to happen then it can happen now and it's going to happen now okay it's going to happen through the next year it's going to happen in oxford the fire's going to be lit again i'll I'll stick to what i'm supposed to be saying but it is going to happen okay that's what we want so we're going to look look back a little bit and see what they had to start with and then we'll go from there Um, Acts 2 verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing meals together, including the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. I looked up devoted, and it says, give your whole life to. It's one of the versions. Give your whole life to. A bit of a challenge, actually, because it says fellowship. Are we devoted fellowship together are we devoted to our church life or is it something on Sunday morning and house group night or whatever your house groups are called these days (laughs) showing me age sorry um and are we devoted to prayer now I do have to say right at the beginning I don't have a powerpoint because I don't know how to do them okay (laughs) be honest I don't this is typed out because Stephen typed out my written biro copy because I don't know how to do that either I do have some visual aids I know it's a bit primary school, but that's where I come from. Hang on, <laughs> we'll get to some visual aids again. So if you get a bit bored because there's no PowerPoint, wait for my visual aids, all right? I'll give you a bit of hope. Okay, so we're talking about prayer. Um, there's many aspects of prayer, actually. There's prayer like we have this morning, and it's very easy, isn't it, to pray on a Sunday morning. It's really great. You've got the worship. John, that was brilliant. Thank you. Well done. I'll never on the team. It's ever so easy to pray then and to pray with others and even to pray in the small groups when you're told what to pray for. Uh, or all night prayer meetings, which we all love. Um, those Sunday night things, they, that sounds good actually. I'll try and get to those. There's a national day of prayer coming up on the 29th of September at Wembley, which I can't go to. But that would be great. Everybody praying. It lifts you when others are praying with you. That kind of atmosphere. Where it does get difficult is at home on a Monday morning or a Thursday morning in our own individual prayer life where it's just us and we've got the day to face. And that's really what I want to talk about, the prayer life that we have at home, our own, on our own um, devotional prayer life. It is precious. It is such a privilege to have prayer. If you ever think about what prayer is, you know, it's such a privilege that we can pray And I think sometimes it comes as a duty and not a privilege and not precious. And obviously, along with that comes reading the Bible. Um, And I also want to talk about the privilege of being able to pray for outside of ourselves. You know, things happening in the nation, things happening in other nations. And I know it sounds very simple. And I always think when people say, will you talk about it? This is teaching granny to suck eggs. But actually, I've come to realise... Uh, several times I've done this how many people really do struggle with a prayer life at home or a devotional life at home and quiet times and the trouble is you struggle with that 
and you're a bit embarrassed to say you struggle with it, so then it gets more hidden and more hidden, and the truth sets you free. So we all struggle with it at times. I struggle with it at times. We're just going to talk this morning about if we can get a vision for actually what privilege it is, and then a few practical hints on how to help, because... I'm not clever, I'm practical. Actually, I had a fantastic word in the summertime in the French camp. This guy had a fantastic word for me about me having this basket of fruit and whatever and all these gifts. And he said, and there were vegetables in there and they had soil on it. And I think that's God saying it's your common sense. And I thought, oh, I can do common sense. I can't do clever. I can do common sense. So it's very releasing. (laughs) So you get a bit of common sense and a bit of the scriptures. Okay. So prayer... Our personal prayer life is a relationship. It's our relationship with God. And if you think about your everyday relationships, those of you that are married, you talk to each other. And if you don't, then you get a little drift apart a little bit. Stephen travels a lot. And up till now, I am now released, up till now, I haven't been able to travel with him. But we have really tried hard to make sure we're in constant communication. The times when we haven't been able to communicate when he was out of, when he was in countries where there wasn't anything, it actually got quite difficult for me to do things during the day without being able to refer to him. That's praying, okay? How do I do this? What do you want me to do in this situation? What do I do about this with the kids? But also you grow a little bit apart. I mean, sometimes like he'd come home after two weeks and I'd think, oh, well, I've been getting on all right, thank you. You know, so you have to work hard on communication. Now we have, actually, I'm seeing Adrienne sitting there. I can remember when we were first married. This is hilarious. He was away for two and a half weeks, and we had one fax, and it came to the office where Adrienne was working. And I went in on the bus, couldn't wait for her to bring it home, went in on the bus and picked up this fax and took it home, and we all crowded around it. And look, look, you know, it's, it's a letter from Daddy. And I've got this by my bedside every day. Do I look at it with that sort of excitement? And sometimes I feel quite, you know, I feel quite challenged that I don't have that delight that a letter from my father that my kids had, that fax from daddy, that's something I need to be aware of and I need to make sure I never lose the joy of communication with God. So, Stephen and I now, nowadays, it's brilliant. You've got texts, you've got emails, you've got Skype, I can even see his face. And we actually make sure we talk at least once a day, probably twice a day, often or often, if we need to. Because it keeps the relationship alive. And we want to, because we love each other. So, <laughs> most of the time. So, <laughs> no, do love him. <laughs> so, we work hard at it. And do you know, the other thing about that kind of communication is it often costs My phone costs every time I use it. I know Skype's free, but very often we can't do that because there's no internet, so we use the phone. We made a decision, we'd pay the price because we want to stay in touch. Now, very often, daily Bible readings, whatever, can be very expensive. I know that because I've got quite a lot because I'll show you I go through them like nobody's business. It's worth it. Make the decision to pay the price what else do we want to spend our money on? You know, I'm happy, well, I'm happy for Stephen to pay my phone bill so that I can talk to him. I'm happy to pay the money that God gives me so that I can stay in touch and understand his word better. Because he's worth it. He yeah. is so worth it. 
I want to talk to God and I want to hear his voice, which is why we pray and we read the Bible. But I know we do lead busy lives. I know it's a challenge. I've been, I've been in quite a lot of sort of spheres of life, actually. I've done single-person career girl with my own house, quiet when I got home, always tidy, plenty of time to spend time with God. Then I married, and Stephen was widowed when we married, those of you that don't know, so overnight I was married with three kids. I'd gone from as much time as I wanted with God to three kids, and then having two of our own, it's, it's a quick change of gear, and those of you that have got babies know you have to get up very early in the morning to get up before them, so been through that. Then working um, I taught at the King School, which is why I'm a primary school teacher. Out the door at 10 to 8. You know, how do you fit it in before 10 to 8? Especially like over the last year, I've had elderly parents to care for and my dad living with me. So before I went out the door at 10 to 8, I'm sorting dad out and sorting him out for the day. And, and who gets pushed to the back? You know, it is difficult. I know it's difficult, but we have to do it. It's, it's what God has told us to do. So... In, I have got a scripture that tells us that, Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who's leading a church in Ephesus. So this not just to Timothy, it's to the whole church. Okay, Verses 1 to 5. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Can't stop once you start, can you? I know that was more than verse 5, but it's good stuff. Okay, so... Not only do we have our own times when we get back into fellowship with God and, you know, we talk to him about ourselves. We also need to be praying for all people to be saved and for the government, the royal family. And actually, sometimes that's quite difficult, I think, praying for the government, especially if it's not the one you voted in. But they are in. They are the ones leading the country. And I don't want to live under a government that's not hearing God's voice, whether they know or not. There was a king called Cyrus in Isaiah somewhere, 45 or somewhere. Um, and God used him. He didn't know it, but God used him. God can use our politicians if we pray. God's bigger than they are. So it is, it is a privilege to have a personal relationship with God, but also to be able to pray outside of ourselves. Um, I watched a programme last night about Aung San Suu Kyi. Did any of you watch it on BBC Two? Do you know, we've been praying for Burma for years. And within about the last year, I think, things have changed. Some of you will be too young to remember the Berlin Wall coming down. It was incredible. It was so horrific, that war. So dreadful. And people were being shot. And suddenly, one night, overnight, in fact, we had um, a German exchange at school. And one of the German teachers came, she was, she was staying and we were talking about it and she said she was really cross because she was quite pregnant at the time and she was tired. So she went to bed and she woke up in the morning and the wall had come down. It was that quick and she missed it. <laughs> she was quite miffed. But I mean, it started coming down, you know, it happened. people had prayed for years for that, but 
it happened because of people's prayers. Um, the war, the, the Taliban in Afghanistan, they held power in Afghanistan for so long, and then it stopped. People pray, things happen. So we need to pray. We have a mandate to pray. We're told, Paul writes to Timothy, tell the church, pray for all people to be saved, okay, and pray for the government and the family. So after we've had our personal devotions, we really do need to pray outside ourselves, I think. So, having said all that, how do we do it? Actually, it is a challenge. And the reason it's a challenge is because it is very important. You know, it's our lifeline. So Satan's not going to sit back and let you do it. It's a spiritual battle. But I think sometimes we forget that we can fight even spiritual battles with practical habits, practical things to do. Firstly, uh, it is a spiritual battle. And the first thing Satan will say is, you haven't done well enough. You're not reaching your whatever it is. Everybody else in the church is having 15 minutes, 30 minutes quiet time in the morning and you don't manage it. Well, face up to the truth. I can't do it. I can't do that. Okay, the kids are up at 6.30 or I've got to be out. I can't do that. What can I do? I can remember when um, we started working in France. And, and I speak French, but I was, I was very reluctant to. My French was rusty. And, and it, I just was, I kept saying, I can't do it. I can't do it as well as them. I can't do it as well as them. Stephen would go off in full confidence, making loads of mistakes, not bothered. But I wanted to be perfect, so I wouldn't do it. And I sat down and I said, God, I can't do this. Will you help me with my French? And God quite clearly said to me, well, you'll never start until you start. (laughs) Okay, so look, if you're finding it difficult, if it's not working by the time you get to Tuesday, Monday's fine, we've had Sunday, it's not going to a Tuesday, do something, start, do anything. Every morning, I wake up and I say, good morning, God. And that's, you know, at least I've said, at least I'm there. I'm there. The line is open. Because this is communication, okay? If I open the line, God can speak to me, even if I don't necessarily know I'm speaking to him. Although, actually, life is prayer. Life can be prayer. Our whole lives can be worship and prayer. So anything is better than nothing. Lower the bar. Don't get paranoid about it. And do what you can do. I've got five kids. Um, I don't know if you noticed, I was just looking at my phone there, see if I got a text. The younger two aren't married. And actually we communicate most days. And they ring my mobile because we're on orange and we've got a magic number. So they don't ring the house phone, they ring my mobile because it's free. When my mobile rings, I run to it. I really do. I was thinking about this. And I'm like, which one of them is it? And I answer it. And hello, mum. And I go, oh, hello, love. And it's just so nice to hear from them. And as I was doing this, I, I just saw that again. Like, Do you know, that's how God feels when whatever we say, even if it's just good morning, Lord. And we can always, all of us, start the day with a thank you. Good morning, Lord. Thank you that actually that's who you are. You're my Lord. You're my Father. I sometimes say, thank you, Lord, that I'm alive again. <laughs> Depends what sort of night I've had. But also, what can I do for you today? Here I am. What can I do for you today? That starts it. And then, if, if you can, spend some time, obviously. We all, that is the goal. We all spend quality time talking to God, telling him how much we love him. Start with your praise. 
Okay? It is so much easier to pray for things if you see who you're praying to. You know, some things you think, oh, this is, a, you know, how are we going to get out of this situation? Well, I've seen God. You know, in Isaiah, when uh, it starts Isaiah 1 or 6, 6, 6 verse 1, that's right. And he says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Okay, once you've seen the Lord, everything else is doable. So start there. Don't start with your, oh, I'm so worried. It's you are up there. My worries are down there. Okay. Um, And then we do what we can do. Now, we're all in different phases of life. I know some of us can get up. We've got a lady at home and bless her. She she was speaking and she said, it's quite simple. You have a routine. I get up at seven o'clock every morning and I spend the first 30 minutes in my chair with the Lord. And I thought, I wish, you know, you never know what each day is going to bring, especially if you've got young children or elderly parents or whatever, but you can still spend it with the Lord, whatever you're doing. I presume we all have a shower. I presume we all travel to work. You know, God isn't picky, I think this is quite important. He is not picky. He won't not listen to us if we're not sitting, being holy. When my kids ring, whatever I'm doing, Ben will say, hello, mum, is this a good time? And I, you know, I've got flour everywhere, things are on, and I, and I rush it, I turn all the gas off, and I go, yeah, yeah, because I just want that conversation, okay? Now, God isn't picky. If you, if you only have chance to pray, because everything's gone pear-shaped, As you're travelling on the bus or in the car or on the bike, pray. God wants to hear from you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants communication. So don't think he's proud and don't you be proud. And don't get into condemnation because that's what Satan will do. He'll say, you're not good enough. And then you go down and down and down. The further down you get, the harder it is to get up again. So it's our expectations, really, that stop us. Not God's judgment. He doesn't judge. He loves to hear from us. And once we realise that and we get into a proper relationship with him, we won't be able to, to stop praying wherever we are, whatever we're doing. So, any time. As most mums will know, the best time to pray is when you're sitting on the loo because it's the only time the door's shut and the kids are outside. You know? <laughs> do what you have to do. <laughs> then they knock on the door saying, What are you doing? I'm praying. Right. Pushchair. Behind the pushchair. You know, anywhere, wherever you are. And the loveliest thing about this is, as I've said, God wants to hear from us. He's on our side. I've lost count of the times when it's actually got quite dusty and, you know, you pick up the reading and you think, oh, I can't do this. And then then you think, oh, no, I've got to go and do so-and-so. So you go and do that instead because it's easier than ploughing through whatever reading you're at at the moment. And regularly I say, God, it's not working. Because he knows anyway. <laughs> it's not a surprise to him. And you don't need to feel guilty saying, God, I'm, I am finding this very dusty. And he wants you to find life in it. So if you're honest and you say, I need help, he'll come with it. I I remember saying once, I'm really not getting anywhere. I've had about a week and I just feel like, you know, the sounding brass bit. And I saw this book. I think it had been sent to Stephen as a freebie. And I must confess it, I like Philip Yancey. I think he's brilliant, but I never read this book. I looked at this book and the title is The Jesus I Never Knew. 
And, and it, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had that phrase in my head for about the next four days. It wouldn't go away. This is the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is the Holy Spirit. And in the end, I thought, okay, I, so I've got to do something. What do I do? And, and I just felt God say, read the Gospels again. Now, I've been a Christian since I was, well, I was baptised at 14. I've always been a Christian. I know. I know. This is, this is one of the biggest curses, actually, of reading the scriptures. I know it. You don't know it. It's living and active, and it's different every time you read it. So we don't ever really know God's word, because he speaks to us through it every time. But I thought, I know the Gospels. So I really have to do that. And then I thought, well, well, I'll read one. I mean, there's four, for goodness sake, and they all say the same. I'll read one. <laughs> so I started at the beginning. That's a very good place to start. And... And obviously the Holy Spirit was working because I'd asked for help. Okay, so I started to read Matthew and it was like I'd never really known Jesus before. It was amazing. I just discovered a whole new wave of love, admiration, the, the characteristics of Jesus. He's, he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. I mean, he's patient, he's kind, he's powerful, he's funny. He's sarcastic. I love the bit where he says to the disciples, are you so dull? And I think, oh, get on with you. It's really good. And, and he's, he's a hero. I, I, I read the Gospels. I'll tell you, it, it took about a week to go through all four because I couldn't put it down. Because I'd asked God to help. And he always does. He always answers. So don't sit there. Please don't sit there in your dustiness. Say, Lord, bring life to this. I think I prayed off off that new revelation for about three months of just, yeah, this new wave of love for Jesus. Not that I'd ever stopped, but it just all came up again. And then I thought, right, that worked. I'll see, you know, if I can get a new revelation on God, God the Father. So I did Genesis and Exodus. Well, that was quite a challenge to me, actually. I mean, we all know, we all know what God is like. God is loving, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is compassionate. He's so patient. And after halfway through, I was thinking, for goodness sake, why don't you just finish with these Israelites? You know, I mean, I would have ditched them years before God did. It's amazing. He's so gracious and merciful and patient. And every time I read that, God said, that's what I'm like with you. That's what I'm like with you. That's what I'm like with you. That just changed my prayer life, you know, because I start by saying, God, you're so kind, so gracious, so merciful. It's just refreshing what you know. A bit like husbands and wives have quality time together. Some of us are just like time, wouldn't we? <laughs> but you know. <laughs> so, um, so change what you do to get life in your devotion. I think that's, that's my main point. That's how I've got all my props. Change what you do. Don't stick with something which has no life to it. We are all human. I know we're all quite different. I have to say, Stephen will eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. He has his toast and his mama every morning. I go through the whole shelf in Sainsbury's. I get very bored. And we are all different. So some of you will have your, your daily bread and it will never go stale. I'm, you know, mine's stale within... It, they last three months and after six weeks I need to buy something else. It is costly, but it's worth it. Um, do what you have to do to get life and don't feel guilty is the main thing. I'm, I'm always really saddened at churches where people feel guilty because 
their devotional life isn't working. Because that, that's, that's Satan's one then, once you feel guilty. God never condemns. He always wants to help. He's the one who wants a relationship with us. Okay, and He's the one who came to have a relationship with us. If he could do that, he's certainly not going to complain. He wants us to help. And you know, prayer is also a form of worship. I, I'm totally unmusical, and I don't really sing in tune. That was so lovely this morning. I love, I love coming to, to a Sunday morning because I can sing, because no one can hear me. And, you know, because I can get into worship. I can't do it at home on my own. And some people have their devotional times, and they can sit at the piano, and they can pray. I can't. Prayer is my worship. It's not just a, you know, talk, talk, talk. It's actually me worshipping God. So that's, that's us and our, our own quiet times, our relationship with God, out of which everything else comes. If you haven't got a living relationship with God, then you don't know what, what he thinks of you. You don't know what he wants you to do. You don't know who you are in Christ. You pray to everything. So that relationship with God, that open relationship, is where everything that you are and do comes from. And that is vitally important. But there's another kind of praying, which is equally a privilege, and that's the privilege of praying for others. And, I'm, well, I may be wrong, but I think this is probably where a lot of us fall short, because this actually gets a bit, a bit more difficult. It's, it's something you can't do half-heartedly. Actually, if you want to do it properly, we can all pray for ourselves and we can, we can all, you know, we all love God. We all know how to do that. But can we really pray for God's world with, with God's heart? I can remember a while ago, a long time ago, actually, about 15 years ago. So, so this is on me now. This is why I'm here. Um, having my quiet time, which is working for once and, and praying. And I suddenly thought, well, I need to pray outside of here. And I prayed this very large prayer. Be careful what you pray, because God listens. I said, Lord, I want to be able to pray for what's on your heart. Okay? I want to pray. And, and I said this phrase. This will get me now. I said, I want my heart to beat with the beat of your heart. And God said, that's fine. In that case, your heart has to break with what breaks my heart. And you know he did it, so be careful what you pray for. You know, I look, I watch the news. Do you watch the news? You should. How else are we going to pray for the needs of the world or the needs of the country? I watch the news and I I feel God's heart breaking when you see nations at war with one another or with each other even. Or personal tragedies. You know, those two policewomen... Their families, what are they going through? Now, on the way here, actually, Stephen rang me. He's gone off to London, and he rang me as I was on the way here, and he said, I've just heard something on the radio. This is fantastic. Listen to this. This morning, I had seen there were three church services in Manchester praying for the families of those two policemen, and apparently, the greater Manchester chief of police is a born-again Christian. And he said, at a time like this, People must be praying. This is what he said on the radio this morning. He said, people don't know what to do at a time like this. Prayer is the only effective thing to do. Prayer changes things. This was on the national radio. And and here I am speaking on prayer. And I think, oh, thank you, Lord. But, you know, we've got to pray and we've got to mean it. So you really do need to be prepared to have your heart broken 
over things like this. Whenever I see some horrific crime, this is, this is just one of the things that God has put on me. I pray for mothers. If I see a horrific crime, you know, obviously you pray for the victims, you pray for their families. I also pray for the mother of whoever's done it. Can you imagine the pain of knowing your child has done that? I just, you, you just have to feel the heart, you know, that God, God knows that, that woman. She might not know him, but God knows her. And he calls us to pray for her. And obviously, accidents, you know, things like that. I, I, if ever we pass an accident or we hear an accident, we always pray, always stop and pray. There are people involved who don't know God, and at times like that, they, they not only need God's help, they're also vulnerable. Whenever you see a disaster like that, pray that they will turn to God, because as this guy said, nobody knows what to do. Prayer's the only thing that will help. Every tragedy is an opportunity for God. But it's also a need, you know, and we're not just utilitarian. We need to pray for people. God knows and loves these people, whether they know and love him or not. I do pray for the nation of Afghanistan. I also pray for the soldiers, and I pray for their families. And whenever we see, you know, that another one has been killed, I pray for their families. I pray for their mothers. But do we pray for those who are injured? Or will we now, after the Paralympics? We never hear about that. There are young guys whose lives are changed forever. You know, do you see the Paralympics? Some of them are 23. Their lives are changed forever. They could be changed forever. You know, we have to pray that this will be God's opportunity. And we don't need to know their name. God knows their name. We just need to pray that God will, God will break into their situation. God will always break in. We don't know how to pray, and it says in the scriptures... Um, Paul says in Romans 8 verses 26 to 27 in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will it is such a privilege to be able to pray and to have the Holy Spirit prompt us in what to pray for we must pray for them. And I've got a little story here. You know, pray for these people. And one of the delightful things that, that I, I have had, and this is God's goodness to me for praying, is to hear what praying for someone actually did for her in uh, sort of like a return of... Uh, well, I'll explain it. Uh, I had a, a Chinese friend. I used to teach English to her, Ying. And, uh, oh, 10 years? I don't know. Anyway, many years. I used to teach English to her. And then we stayed good friends. And... She actually did get born again. It was, it was one. We walked through a lot with them, and she came to know God. And about oh, nine months ago, they rang us up to say, can we meet because we're going back to China? <clears throat> and I knew she'd got born again, so it was great. And we met them for supper, and, and she reached out, and she said to me, there is one thing about knowing God that you need to know. She said, I will always be grateful to you, because now that I know God, I know who to be grateful to for all that I have in this life. She said, I know who to say thank you to. And I thought, what a delight. She knows now that when she prays, she knows who to pray to. And as I love to pray, and I love to thank God, it was just a real delight, actually. Because we do need to keep thanking God all the time, not just coming up with our requests. You know, when I'm driving along, I thank God for everything I see. 
Do you ever thank God for the countryside? For the fact that you can see it? For the fact that you can drive? For the fact that you have a car? For the fact that you can walk? We can just be praying all the time and we miss the opportunity. And I just think it's so sad. You know, when we're with people, we natter all the time. And we're with God all the time and we often aren't talking to him and he's sitting there. There's this lovely song which says, I can hear the spirit calling me to worship. And I just have this impression of God saying, come on, come on, come and talk to me. Come talk to me. I want to, listen. I want to hear what you've got to say. And he just loves hearing from us. So, I think that's all the, pra- the theory, okay, the preaching. Now, let's get on to the practical. This is all, all right. All that I've said is right. Can't you tell I was a primary school teacher? But how do we actually do it? It is hard. There's always something coming in. There's always some distraction. We have to set ourselves to do it, okay? Obviously, I'll set my face towards the Lord. And, and if we can't do as much as we want to do, do what we can. Okay, That's always my, my baseline. I'll do what I can. But actually, there's a lot of things we can do to make sure that we get it done. One of the brilliant things of this age is the computer, isn't it? And emailing things. And I got quite challenged one morning because I realised that every morning before I race out of the house, I check my emails. I mean, you have to. Somebody might have communicated you with something important. Okay, what is more important than the Word of God? So I signed up to Word Live. Okay, it's free, it's online Bible readings. If I don't have time to do anything else, I have read Word Live. You can all you just sign up for it, just Google it in and sign it up. It comes as an email every morning. So you can always do that. So there's no excuse if you've got email, you can get a Bible reading. And it is it is free, although they do ask for donations, and I think they're worth it. But you know, you can do it. Just think, of, I, I really felt challenged that I'm doing these emails and I'm not doing my Bible reading. So perhaps I should have the Bible reading on the email. There's a way around it if we're determined and if we've really got the heart of what a privilege it is to pray, then we will be determined. So a few other little tricks I use. Now this is where you see what a sad person I am. But it works, okay, it works. Bookmarks, I read quite a lot. This bookmark is Afghanistan. Every time I open my book, before I get into my medieval murder mystery, I pray for Afghanistan, okay? Or I pray for France. Or I pray for China. Yes, I told you, find out what a sad woman I am. Actually, I've got this four of those, and I don't need them because I've got another card. So if anybody's got half China and wants a China bookmark to remind you, it's a prompt, okay? It's a prompt, okay, to pray. That's all you need is, if you start the day... Open your channel. Good morning, God. See who you are. Thank you for all you've done for me. I want to serve you today. Prompt me at every turn. God will prompt you. I would, we, I, we were given this as a wedding present. Sorry. Mary Hipsley did this. It's wonderful. It's the names of Jesus. And I will often just sit in front of it and pray through one of them. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the fairest of 10,000. You can go for 10 minutes on that. It's wonderful. Um, Healer of the nations. Yes. Yes, start praying for the nations. Just pick up one of these. I'm sure you could Google in names of Jesus and get this. You could probably get it on a pretty font as well. And you could get your own frame. You could all have one of these, okay? It wouldn't be personal like mine. But it's fantastic. It's really, it's really, really helpful. And some mornings, you know, you think, I just don't, I just can't get 
up. I can't get up there this morning. This helps me. Ancient of days. The resurrection and the life. It's brilliant. It's my springboard into worship in prayer. Um, Now we get down to the nitty gritty. This one stays in the loo. Okay. This is the Barnabas prayer thingy. And every day it gives us a nation and a need to pray for. It doesn't take very long. It's very short. It takes the time you need to go to the loo. And I go to the loo every day, at least once. So that country gets prayed for at least once. Okay? You can all do that. God is not proud. It's fine. Um, I've, got, I've got so many different types of Bible readings. You know, I know some people, and I used to be like this. I'd get my Every Day with Jesus or my Daily Bread or whatever. And they're all, they're all great. And then after about four weeks... Perhaps you're not like me, perhaps you're not so shallow-minded. I'd get bored. You know, it's just, or it'd go into a particular, and I think, I'm just, I'm not getting any life out of this. So get another one. You know, you're not bound to stick with that one. Get another one. Um, This one. Through the Bible, through the year. Well, it's taken about four, actually. (laughs) And I think I'm in April. But, you know, for as long as there's life, read it. And then, actually, I'll take it down again. Because there will be life to at a certain point again. Don't get into condemnation. Be real. I found this. This is lovely. Yes, this is my primary school teacher, okay? My visual aids. Praying the names of God. It's a bit like that, but this one you're supposed to journal, but I don't journal, I just read. But you can you it starts the week with one of God's names, and then Every day after that, there's a prayer through that name. So if you can't manage that one, something like this is good. But this one did cost 10 quid. So that was... Now this, these, look at these. This is our very own Mike Beaumont. Yay! Yay. I hope he's listening. I know he's not listening. Drumming up trade for you, Mike. Actually, they're brilliant. The Handbook of Bible Promises and the Handbook of Bible Prayers. The reason they are so brilliant is because it's about 80% scripture. Not that Mike's writing isn't good. (laughs) Not that I only want 20% of Mike. But it's about 80% quotes. It is just reading the scriptures. It's beautiful. You read that and you just feel fed and washed. It's really, really good. I really recommend that. And this one. The Handbook of Bible Prayers. Often you just don't know what to pray. So, you know, look in in the index and see what someone else is praying for. And if you're having a bad day... Look at the prayers for a bad, bad day. Do you know, David used to do that. If you read some of the Psalms, some of the Psalms are fantastic. I'll always look in the Psalms if I don't know what to do. Psalm 8. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then you go through it and you think, he's having a right moan in this one. But that's okay, because David did. And he has his moan, and then he says, but then. You know, so be real with God, have your moan. But get back up there, get back up to where he is. A few more of these. I've got... You know, I mean, I'm just trying to show you that find life. Don't get stuck in a dead and dusty one. And I can assure you, well, you'll go back to it. There'll be a time, so don't think you've wasted your money. Um, that's all your Bible reading. Then praying. I've got lots of little things around my house which help me to pray. Actually, this little joke, I don't know where I got this from. When I do the dusting makes me dust a bit more often if I think I need to pray. When I do the dusting, I, if I get to this, which is now falling apart, pray for the nations. The earth is the Lord's. Okay? There's a lot of the earth that actually doesn't belong to the Lord at the moment, but it should do. 
And I want to pray that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Because I know the glory of God and I want everybody else to. So pray for the earth. When I dust this, it's really horrible, isn't it? I really don't like this, but it makes me pray for Morocco. You know, wherever we've been, we've bought things. And I won't chuck it away because it's my prayer prompt. Don't dust it that often. India. Okay, when I have a cup of coffee and I put it down on the coaster, pray for India. You can get coasters from everywhere. You can always get Indian ones and African ones and artifacts like that. Just all these prayer prompts that will help you do it. I also have silly little habits like, there are so many things to pray for. You know, so much to pray for. Life is so short. And we've got people that we love to pray for, all our people that are working abroad. Um, And I have this silly habit that whenever I clean the stairs... I pray for a couple who's working abroad. Okay? And I, at the top of the stairs, who's it going to be today, Lord? And do you know what? He'll give me a face. Or if you ask, we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit will prompt us. Who am I going to pray for today? John and Nom. Right, all the way down the stairs, I pray for John and Nom. And I know it sounds silly, but it makes me pray, because I am weak, and I will not do it unless I put in things like that. Now, my heart is to pray, because... God's worth it. It's a real privilege. And anyway, he's told me to do it. Okay, so there's, there's, no, there's no way out, really. <laughs> it's worth it, and I'm told to do it. And it's effective. So why wouldn't I? You know, I just, I think Paul says, I urge you to pray. And actually, so do I. It is such a delight to get into the presence of God, to know what's on his heart, and to pray for it. Sometimes if I've been busy for a few days and I haven't had a good prayer time and I would just have and I don't have to be doing nothing I might be weeding the garden you know I'm not saying sit down in your in your quiet time chair just spend half an hour going through whatever God wants you to pray for it's like a holiday it's a delight it's a sheer delight to do it because you know you've shifted things and you do see results when uh, our kids were Ben was six, Nesta was nine. We went to Pakistan. And this was when it was still under Taliban, uh, when Afghanistan was still under Taliban rule. And we took a drive through the Khyber Pass with the armed guard, with his Kalashnikovs sticking in my ear and my kids, you know, because, because the two main sources of income along the Khyber Pass are drug smug- smuggling and kidnapping. So off we go with our two little white kids who in danger of being kidnapped but it was great it was really great and we got to the a mountain in pakistan pakistan where you can see into afghanistan and we prayed and we just stood there and we prayed for afghanistan which was under the taliban rule and about eight months later the taliban were ousted well mainly ousted and we saw this on the news and our kids at six and nine said we prayed for that and do you know that did something in their hearts because they had prayed for something major and they'd seen God do it. Now, as I say, we've been praying for Burma. We've been praying for Berlin. We prayed for the Iron Curtain and communism in Russia. And we've seen, in my lifetime, I have seen God do so much. That gives you faith to pray for the next one. Come on, God does it if you pray and you're part of it. What a privilege to be part of God's plan for the world. What a privilege. I think it's fantastic. And I do want to, I I want to stop and pray now because I've finished. But there is just one thing I want to say. Um, When I was coming here, I I really felt God say, there's somebody, and we know there are lots of situations where you've been praying and praying and praying and you haven't seen 
change. And we all have that. We're in one at the moment at home with Stephen's back. You pray and pray and pray and God doesn't do anything. And I felt God remind me of two, two events, actually. Um, when one of our kids, I think it was probably Miriam, was nagging for a mobile phone. This is a long time ago, before every six-year-old had one. Okay, And we, we had decided that she could have one for her 15th birthday. And so we kept saying no. Okay, no Miriam, not yet. No Miriam, not yet. And we knew we were going to buy her one on her 15th birthday. And we did. Okay. She didn't know. She kept asking. We knew the day we were going to do it. And then I was reminded of the, the story of the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. And she tried and she tried and she tried. And there was, there was a day when she was healed. But I felt, felt I could say, if she hadn't turned up on that day, she'd have missed it. If she'd stopped, if she'd given up, because that day was the day God was going to do it. So if there's anybody here who's been praying for a long time and you haven't seen God do anything, don't give up, please, because you never pray in vain. God has got a day and he will do it. Keep going like that woman did. Keep going and one day he'll touch and it will be done. So can we pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you allow us to be in communication with you, in fellowship with you. You love us enough to allow us to speak with you and you even speak back. We are such a privileged people and the privilege of prayer is something we must never lose sight of. Thank you, Jesus, for that privilege. Thank you that you've made the way open for us to have a relationship with the Father. And I just want to pray now that you will open every channel of communication in this room, that if any of it is blocked or dusty or just out of habit, Lord, you will bring life to every prayer life in this room so that we can communicate with you and you can communicate your will to us again and we can serve you as you wish in this, in this city, in this nation, in this world, Lord. We are here to serve you and we need to hear your voice in order to do that. We give ourselves to you today and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to speak to you, a holy God. Amen.